Hey, 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 y'all. It is Jasmine Haley, and we are here again for another amazing episode of the Legacy Speaker Show. And today's guest is Stephanie Moon. Now, let me explain to you why we've invited her to this podcast. She has led campaigns for New York Times bestsellers, securing partnerships with brands like the San Francisco Public Library and securing coverage in Oprah's coveted holiday favorite things list. Yes, the Queen Oprah. Stephanie has dreamed up and then executed plans for authors to get their work into readers' hands. And over the 12 plus years working at traditional publishers, okay, we got an insider here, y'all. <laughs> Stephanie noticed a trend. Authors who had spent years researching and writing their book did little to nothing to market their book. Oh my goodness. I feel like they're telling on me right now. Stephanie knew she had to change this and build her business around empowering authors to feel confident in sharing their story and expertise in being seen. And for many of you who are utilizing the power of your voice to share your message, to create impact, to grow your legacy, we know many of you are also looking at doing it through the written word. And so welcome to the show, Stephanie. We cannot wait to dive in. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. Oh, me too. When we connected, we had such a great conversation and I was like, I need to have this amazing, amazing, brilliant woman on this podcast because the work that you do is essential. Now, many listeners know that I wrote my first book a few years ago. I'm actually writing a second edition and I didn't put it forth enough effort for marketing, but I also was not supported in a way I should have been. You know, I didn't have I didn't have a Stephanie Moon on my team. Right. So I would just love to know, like, what kind of led you into the work of traditional publishing? Because we see what what's led from your bio into helping people like myself. Mm -hmm. But what led you to traditional publishing? Mm, good question. So I as a kid, always loved books, loved going to the library. We would go on road trips. I would read in the back of um, the, the minivan, you know. And when I graduated uh, many, many years ago, I am from the San Francisco Bay Area. So this was like the home of tech. A lot of my friends started working at Google and at software places. And I was like, I just didn't get it. I couldn't. I was like, how am I supposed to market something that's just like doesn't physically exist, right? It was just like, okay, Google was like at that time a search engine. Um, and I wanted to just work in books. I was like, that would be so amazing. So I found a publisher um, in the Bay Area and just started working for them. And they were actually a part of Scholastic, which is the hugest children's book publisher in the world, I think in the world, and then um, have just continued along since then. Yes. Listen, my favorite thing was getting that scholastic book or that those few pages. Boy, I've gotten in trouble because I was a huge reader. Yes. <laughs> and so, I would get things I wasn't supposed to get. <laughs> those little um, you know, I don't book, know what they call them pamphlets or those something like that. Book club things are yes. I loved those. They still send them out. And it was yeah. like that book club uh, flyer is such mm -hmm. an amazing place to be as a children's author because you can sell thousands and thousands of books because their goal with that is to get in at um, like low affordable prices for people to read more, for kids to read more. And they do an amazing job because books that like a picture book is normally $17, right? So $16.99, $17.99, but they sell it there for probably less than $5. So it's like, makes it really affordable for people to, uh, kids to start loving to read. 
Oh my word. Yes. I mean, yeah. I, just thinking now of my own kids with their scholastic fair, I was more excited than them yeah. to go through. <laughs> <laughs> I was such a geek. Okay. Babysitter's yeah. club. I had like every single book. I mean, like you can imagine. So yeah. I already know that looking at that just now as a business owner and seeing how they even marketed for children, mm-hmm. how they were strategic, even in that just shows how much we need to be for our own book. Yes. And I think this is the thing. You wrote your book. Congratulations. I think what a lot of self-published authors don't really realize is that as a self-published author, you're the boss, right? You choose the cover. You choose the designer. You choose everything. You choose the timeline. You choose the price. But that also means you're the boss of sales and marketing, right? You can't just expect to load it on Amazon and like people will come. Amazon is such a complex, crazy place. Algorithms that like nobody at Amazon can tell you about like, oh, this is gonna help you a lot. You know, everything is very anecdotal, even for big publishers, you know? And um, as a self-published author, just like that sales and marketing piece is as important as the writing piece. But I think that people don't um, don't think of it that way. They, I think a lot of self-published authors are like, I'm a writer, I'm a writer, I'm not a marketer. And I'm like, okay, you can be writing as a hobby or you can be writing to get your message and story out and to, to the, and then to make money, you know? It's kind of, yeah. if you want to have your story out there, you got to sell it. Mm. And you know what I really love about what you just said is that you mentioned self-publishing, but you work with people who are traditionally published as well and primarily, right? And I want to really make this super clear, y'all. It doesn't matter if you go to traditional route or self-publishing route, you still have an active part in the marketing of your book. Correct. 100%. (laughs) And as like the world changes and the online space changes and social media changes, like even people who are publishing with traditional publishers still need to have a platform. They still need to know how to talk to their audience and sell their book. And it's becoming more and more and more important that they, yeah. that authors can do this. Any author. Absolutely. And for those of us who are self-published, and I didn't know this, um, and you can add to this if you, if you, if you want to, I didn't yeah. know that even as someone that's self-published, that's is considering traditional publishing at some point in time, I need to pay attention to how well I'm marketing my self-published books and how much are being sold. Because one of the things that they're going to be asking you when you're in the traditional publishing world is Mm -hmm. how many did you sell? Because they want to know, are you too much of a risk to take on? Absolutely. Yes. So they can, um, a publisher can see how many books were sold. And then also they want to, be investing their money, like paying you your advance on somebody that knows how to sell books. Because I think there's also so many good books written out there, but it's also who, how are they getting out there, right? And I think the author has to be able to know who their book is for. So it, like when I talk to authors and they have trouble really talking about who their book is for, my heart like just like breaks open a little bit for them because the thing is authors are the best salesperson for their book, right? And they should know their audience the best. And I think a lot of times um, authors want to think their book is for everyone, but it's not because you can't be, I mean, we know this like in business, you can't be for everybody, right? And the more specific you can be, the better 
chance you'll have at really succeeding in the marketing because it's mm -hmm. like so for instance like um, I'm working on a lot of cookbooks right now you can't be for every cook there's so many different ways to cook there's so many different um, like cultures you can cook from so many different um, techniques all of that kind of stuff but once you kind of hone it down you can really speak to that person that very very specific person and then your marketing will feel like they're speaking right to that person and then they'll want to buy your book and then if your book is good, they'll want to share it with everybody. Yeah. So let me ask you, when should we even be considering a marketing strategy for a book? Like, when does that happen? Like, once it's published? I know the answer to this, but we know we need to know. We need to, we yes. need to listen to this and realize, like, this is serious business. So when does that even begin? Now. So if you are even thinking about writing a book, right? And so I think this is something for me, even as like a service provider, I need to be changing in my um, uh, verbiage. I think saying book marketing, people are only thinking about the physical book, right? Like the book mm. that you're selling, like the cover, the blurbs, et cetera. But really part of book marketing is your author platform. And your author platform is the thing that takes the longest to build and to build trust with your audience, right? So you have to start doing that right away because the thing is the publishing process um, is really long. You know, like I would say traditional publishing is at least 18 months, right? So wow, that's on the short end, right? Mm -hmm. And so you want to be, um, you want to have that author platform being built now because it takes mm -hmm. so much time. Just think about, okay, think about your own social media habits, right? Like if you're looking at social media, what else are you doing? Mm. You're like, in line at the grocery store, pick up, watching TV, doing whatever, right? And so- Distracted. You need so many different <laughs> instances of um, seeing somebody and then building Ooh, trust with so them. Oh, that's so good. Right? It's just, um, you need to be constantly in front of people and not in a way that feels like icky or like in your face, but just you need to give people an opportunity to get to know you. You know, yeah. I was just talking to a client and she's a very private. Um, and I said, that's fine. I understand you want to keep your privacy, you know, of course, like don't show the front of your house, all that kind of stuff. Right. But it's more about to giving people something to relate to. How mm -hmm. are you personable, right? How are you different than every other author that's out there? And the only way you can kind of distinguish yourself is if you give people an opportunity to get to know you. Yes. So, you know, one of the things that I, I really want to emphasize for most, most people who come into my world, who come into my community, there's this grappling journey that happens where they have to come to terms with to be a, a business owner. You can still have your privacy, but you got to get visible. Yes. Yes. Visibility never ends. <laughs> yes. Because it's it, the, the, for authors being visible, I think is also something they struggle with, right? Mm -hmm. Because they, a lot of times they're creators, right? So mm -hmm. um, they're thinking, I, I'm just a creator. I'm developing this recipe. I'm developing this framework. I'm developing whatever. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, if you want people to use it, you have to, people have to know about it, you know? So mm -hmm. I think like in the past, when I worked at a pu publishers, I, um, would work with authors, you know, um, I would say between three and six months from when their book came out. And then they would kind of like not really know what to do. And then they wouldn't really do anything. 
And then I would, you know, try to advise them, but they wouldn't do that much because I think they were just very unsure, right? And I think it's also recognizing that writing a book is very different than marketing a book, right? Mm -hmm. Being an author is different than being a marketer. Like I've been a marketer for 12 plus years. So it feels like easy for me, but I get it, right? But Mm -hmm. I... I would not know how to write a book. Like if you asked me to give me an assignment, I would be like, okay, I have to start from scratch. I don't know this process. Mm-hmm. Um, but then these authors would, uh, after the book was out, they'd be like, wait, but why is nobody buying my book? And I'm like, it's because nobody knows that you wrote mm-hmm. a book. Like how mm-hmm. many times have you talked about it on your social? How many events have you been to and said, I'm an author, this is the title of my book. You know, how many times have you just shared with your community that you wrote a book? It's not that your book is bad. Cause I think that's what authors, like their first instinct is. They're like, well, my book is like not that good. These other books are better. And it's not that, it's that nobody knows who you are or knows that your book exists. Mm, that's so good. It's so good. And again, again, my friends, when we look at bigger named companies, they are almost omnipresent. Now we're not expecting, you know, we're not expecting perfection from us as small business Mm -hmm. owners, but we do need a reality check of what it takes to make Mm -hmm. the sale. And so what I love about, you know, the title of your specific episode, we're talking about what is a good foundation to market your book? is already establishing your platform now. Yeah. And that requires you to be building community, consistently showing up. Don't be worried y'all about the number of people who are liking the number of followers that you have. Just consistently show up with that message, make sure it's aligned. And then as Stephanie was saying, three to six months, you know, she's worked with her clients prior to the actual book being released, or maybe even sooner for some of us that may need it. But again, just like if you're trying to get a stage, and I often talk about this, just like if you're trying to get a stage, you have to prove your market value. And your market value can only be established by creating the assets, right? The consistent content, you taking up space. And so I I say often like, and I've shared this many times, when I first started out, I couldn't see myself on video. I didn't, I couldn't hear my, my voice. I just, I hated the sound of it. I, I, it was just too much. I had my children's face as the image of why I needed to move forward because I was still working on my own internal worthiness. But at now I'm at a place by consistently showing up and breaking through that I can show up for myself consistently and do so in a way that will allow my business to grow while still honoring myself. I'm not yes. pimping myself out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm aligned. <laughs> it's, it's that it's that being seen plus building your platform, right? I think it's so easy for us in this age of like TikTok and all of this stuff to think like, oh, somebody is like an overnight success, you know? And it's like that's very, very few and like far between. People who um have really big followings that are really engaged, they are working so diligently and so hard to create the type of content that their um, audience wants to see. And their audience like rewards them, right? With engaging with their stuff, with pre-ordering their book, you know, writing a review for their book. You know, it's a lot of um, building a relationship. You know, that's like one thing I really try to emphasize with uh, people that I work with that 
it can feel daunting, but once uh, marketing can, but once you start thinking about it like a relationship, you're just trying to build a relationship with one reader at a time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you take that kind of advice, it won't feel as overwhelming. You won't feel like you need to be for everybody. And then you also can really create content that really um, resonates with a lot of people because you're yeah. speaking to that one person. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I'm curious to know, uh, based on your experience, like, what would you say, like one or two things, because we know we can't solve the world's problems in 20 minutes. But one or two things of getting your written word or just your your brand in the eyes of mega influencers or people of influence in your industry. Because one of the things that are listed in your bio is it talks about the coveted hol- holiday favorite things that we already know, yeah. Queen Oprah, okay? Right. right. You get a seal of deal from her. She's right now there marketing her book club book right now. And I've yeah. been seeing it everywhere. Yeah. And I can only imagine how the sales have skyrocketed. So that's almost like, you know, when we're looking at growth, we can build our own, but we can also borrow the traffic of someone yes. else. Yes. So I would love to know like one or two things that you would say to someone that may be interested in finding a collaborative partner to borrow traffic to get eyes on their written word. Yeah. Love that. Um, so that like, for instance, Oprah's holiday favorite things list, that's like a publicity aspect, right? So we as a company pitched a bunch of um, items, right? And one of the ones that I pitched was chosen. And then there's all this stuff that happened on the back end, because as you can imagine, getting chosen for this is also when the um, magazine was printed every month, getting on that list, there was so much stuff that had to happen on the back end. Do you have enough stock? Is it allocated for this person? When can you ship it? This is like confidential, everybody sign an NDA, there's so much stuff happening, right? But I think, um, for people who are starting out or who feel like they have a smaller audience, trying to get in front of people who have bigger audiences, you know, definitely borrowing their audience. It's about, for me, I try to um, get, uh, use the example of like, you need to be also providing value. So for instance, when also people don't know how to show up online, I'm like, show up how you want somebody to show up in your audience. So even if your book is not available yet, if you would love somebody in your audience one day to share that they're reading your book, share what you're reading. It doesn't have to be the newest, greatest book. It's just, you have to be putting value out there, right? And it's sharing the books you're reading, sharing the places you're going, you know, sharing other people's works and not in a way that feels like, oh, every day I just see, you know, Stephanie post reposting other people's stuff. But it's more like, where do you have genuine connection to this content creator or influencer? Because I also think that there's so many instances of um, a person, an author, um, a publicist, etc., reaching out to a celebrity or somebody who has a lot of followers. And then that person just responds um, because influencers are people too, you know, like Mm -hmm. sure they might have a team checking their stuff, but they also check that too. And then I think the other thing is um, you can't, if you are reaching out to somebody who has a much larger audience than you, your first ask, your first interaction should not be, can you do this for me? You can, <laughs> like, and, and you would be surprised at how many times I have also heard people say like, oh, I emailed like Ava Chen or I emailed whoever they didn't respond. And I'm like, okay, that 
she's probably busy and she has a lot of stuff, but also have you tried to interact with her before? Have you commented mm. on her stories? Have you shared her stuff? Have you liked her stuff? Have you left comments? Any of that kind of stuff, because it's easy for people to see that, you know, like I can go right now to my Instagram account and see like, oh, this person, even though they haven't bought anything from me, has like commented and liked all this stuff. Right. And um People are not going to want to just respond to like a cold pitch if you have not also tried to like get to know them because they're people, they have lives, they have a lot of stuff going on that's not just shown on social media. Exactly. And I, I think for the most part, many of us just want to build relationships. I feel like business is about building genuine relationships. Yes. And the best collaborations and partnerships that I've developed for me have always been from relationships. Yes. Stephanie and I had a conversation prior, you know, and it was a random conversation. You know, it yeah. wasn't like it was planned and I was expecting to have her on the podcast and we connected and I'm like, yes, yeah, so let's get your message out there. Right. Yeah. And so now her message is in front of my audience. Um, and so you, we have to be sh strategic, but like still genuine and values aligned. We're not mm -hmm. being sleazy. It doesn't mean that, you know, there are wonderful ways in which you can partner with people to be able to market your, your work. So I love that. Yeah. I love that and, so much. And I think the other thing too, is like building a genuine relationship. You have to be yourself. That's you true. have to, you know, um, your personality has to come through. Otherwise, what are people kind of trying to get to know it's mm -hmm. um and I think that can also be really hard for people if they're not used to kind of showing a part of themselves online mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um it just takes practice I think once you have done it a couple of times or um, get used to talking to people it gets a little less scary and it feels more natural Mm -hmm, absolutely. So I've got my last question for you. Okay. My question to you is what was the best business advice you've ever been given? It could be related to business as a whole or to being an author. Um, I think one that has really stuck with me in the past year um, is that people don't talk about the back end very much. People don't talk about um everything that's happening behind the scenes, all the systems, all the processes, all the support. And I really wish people did. I think mm -hmm. it's it, it can feel, social media and the online world makes it feel like everybody is just like so successful and doing it all on their own. But what you don't really see on the back end is like, oh, they have a team of five people, 10 people, 20 people, right? Working. It's just that they're the face. And I think um, knowing that just helped something in my mind like click like oh yeah getting support is how is how people kind of grow and scale right it's not one person working 23 hours a day you know doing their business it's like oh i it finally clicked that all those systems and processes make it easier for people to help you so you can do more of what you're best at oh this is why we connected right <laughs> Because like, I tell you, like a lot of people are so enthralled with the glitz and glam and the amazing feeling and the endorphins that come in and all those good, you know, chemical, um, feel good chemicals in our brain come in when we impact people from the stage. But there's a whole system behind making that sustainable if you want to do it on repeat. 
And yeah. you can't do it without those systems and support in place. You just, exactly. it's just not, it's not going to be possible to sustain it or you're going to burn yourself out. So I love that you shared that because it's mm-hmm. such a great reminder of to be legacy driven, to make an impact, do purpose driven work. You must, must have a back end to support you in doing that. Yes. Love it. The back end mm. is so important. When I like was <laughs> like when I first started, I was like, "What do you mean? I can just do this. It's okay." And I'm like, "Nope. Now I get it. Yeah, I get exactly. It. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now I want you to let the listeners know where they can find you. And listeners, listen. Uh, Stephanie was very generous. She has this BC mini workshops that are completely free for you to tap into mm-hmm. and learn. If you know that you're trying to really get to a place where you're using visibility through being an author and marketing it in a smart way. So let the listeners know where they can find you. And for those of you interested in that awesome free asset, uh, check our show notes. So where can they find you, Stephanie? Um, I'm on Instagram and TikTok and LinkedIn at stephmoonco.com. And then my website is www.stephmoonco.com. Awesome. Thank you, Stephanie, for being on the show. I'm so greatly, greatly, greatly appreciative of it. Thank you, Jasmine. This was so fun. Yes. Yes. All right, y'all. So as you are building your own legacy, as you're going out and you're sharing your message, many of you are ready to get to a place where you are ready to take what you're sharing from the stage and create a book. But a huge component of whether or not that's successful whether you're using it for when you're speaking, whether you're using it as a way to land bigger stages, you have to market it and you have to be strategic with it. And it isn't something that's done overnight. And so this conversation today with Stephanie, it just shows how important it is to have individuals like herself to help you be successful in doing that. Because there are so many hats that we have to wear as business owners. There's so many different things that are pulling at us left and right and to have the support of someone to help you market it, your your book, build your author platform so that you're able to make more of an impact, grow your visibility is a huge asset to anyone that is truly committed to legacy-driven work. So I encourage you to make sure you reach out to her. And remember, if you need help with any of your speaking topics or your speaker journey, reach out to us at jasminehaley.com. And we'll see you in our next episode.